Hey podcast, welcome back to another episode. So today I'm talking all things nutrition with Ben Coomber. Now I do a full intro like always really as soon as we get into it, so I'm not going to introduce him here, but it's a really, really good episode. If you're interested in nutrition for mountain biking in any way, shape or form, I highly recommend giving like giving this a listen. You probably noticed that some of the questions have been answered a few times on the podcast before and I've talked about them in nutrition ones myself, but I like to just ask the question as if we've never spoken about it before because you never know the different answers that each guest is going to get so i hope you really enjoy it one thing for people interested in mtb fitness and if you really really been following for a while and you want to show the world that you love listening to mtb fitness and following along and following the programs so i'm actually starting to sell mtb fitness jerseys soon so this weekend if you're listening to this at the right time anyway they'll be going on sale for two weeks and two weeks only and i'm also running a competition so for the next week there's going to be a competition live on my facebook page so to enter that just go to the mtb fitness facebook page find the post and comment on it to enter and that'll be to win a free jersey and then you'll have a couple of weeks when they go sale this weekend you'll have a couple of weeks to buy a jersey and get one for yourself so the best bet to make sure you don't miss out on when they do come out for sale follow along on the facebook page but i would also join the daily emails if you just go to mtb.fitness and then click the menu and check out the daily emails it's just on the side there if you sign up there you'll definitely won't miss when they launch because like i say they're only going to be on sale for about two weeks and when they're gone they're gone they're not going to be on sale again so or at least not for a few months and when they do go on sale it's going to be a different design so yeah exciting time so without further ado i'll introduce ben coomber onto the podcast Hey podcast, so today I'm speaking to Ben Coomber. I've known about Ben since the very beginning of my career as a trainer, which was around eight years ago. Now, as I was doing the research, as I do for all my guests, I found his bio on his website and it's absolutely perfect. So rather than try and piece everything together and rewrite it, I'm going to read Ben's bio off his website. So in his own words, Ben is a man who used to be obese and suffered with IBS, ADHD, eczema and asthma. But he woke up one day and decided that he had to change his life and career depended on it. He then lost five and a half stone of fat and put on three stone of muscle and developed developed himself into what he describes as an everyday athlete that now feels awesome. As a result of his life-changing journey, he was inspired to teach others. And here he is today. He's a coach, nutritionist, and a speaker aiming to inspire others with his journey, his expertise, and his experience helping thousands of people reclaim their health. So after a 10-year journey in the fitness industry, he now has the UK's number one rated health and fitness podcast, Ben Coomba Radio, Radio, is the top 10 in the world. He's worked with major UK companies like Twining's Tea, O2 and Sky TV, written several books, coached thousands of people with his online 90-day transformation program, Fat Loss for Life, spoken at most major events such as body power sfn and b for expo he owns an online nutrition company at the btn academy and an ethical and honest supplemental brand awesome supplements so that's quite a bio there there's so much we can dive into you need to do less so i can uh, read less <laughs> well the good thing is that uh you reading that's reminded me that i've done i've done a fair bit of stuff so i'll, I'll be proud 
I bet you wrote that a while ago, and then you just never read it again, do you? Just leave it. <laughs> well, it, I, I'm I'm living in it every day, so I should hopefully remember what to do every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a really good place to start would be to start right at the beginning. How did you gain all the way? I think you were at university, weren't you, when you were gaining the weight? And then what was the breakthrough moment where you were like, right, I need to lose weight? And then how did you do it? Uh, it was actually at school. Um, I basically gained loads of weight because I was fortunate enough to go to boarding school and that meant that it was basically a free for all on food. You could eat whatever you want. Uh, there was bread, you know, bread buffet and you know, pud- puddings with all meals. It was ridiculous. So basically I got fat by just eating a lot. That's a simple, simple answer. Um, and then I was trying to navigate a career in acting when I was 18. I was always into the arts as a kid. And I just looked at myself one day and thought I couldn't be successful looking and feeling the way that I did. And I I simply started to take action on my health and fitness. Uh, It all started with a bit of running. I just literally got my trainers on and thought, well, running's free. So I just just go and run. Um, Had a bit of results, didn't really have that great of results. And it was that journey through kind of like hitting a load of roadblocks and not getting many results and then hitting some really good information and losing five and a half stone in six months that really interested uh, me in nutrition. Nutrition for me was like the key thing that was like make or break with me having such um, success with my weight loss and my health. And then I kind of naturally just got more interested in nutrition and fitness, trained to become a personal trainer. Um, Then I went to uni, then I set up my first online business and I've kind of been largely online doing stuff ever since 2010. Sounds awesome. So how did you actually lose the weight then? Was it a matter of obviously you started running and then you started improving your nutrition? Was it a matter of just you ate the same sorts of foods but less of it or did you completely overhaul your nutrition and start eating really healthily and that kind of thing? When I started, I just tried to eat a bit more mindfully, a bit more healthily. Um, It wasn't getting me that far, though. Um, So after a fair amount of struggle, I ended up joining a gym. And I thought, well, if you don't know how to get fit and healthy, join a gym. Because there's people there that know how to get fit and healthy. Yeah, I literally joined a gym and happened to have a a gym induction with a a good trainer. He was a good guy. Um, He recommended me this book. Um, This book at the time, I can't vouch for its quality of reading now but at the time it was great for me it's called how to eat move and be healthy by paul check it was a very balanced holistic approach to food and uh basically then sort of basically kind of went quite paleo like just really natural food um loads of whole foods and i kind of noticed that i had quite a few uh food issues as well in that there was quite a few things that reacted with me and my diet at the time, it was uh, gluten and dairy that seemed to be a problem. So naturally, took all that out as well. And um, I think the combination of removing all of that, removing a lot of calorie-dense foods, changing my training a little bit by starting to lift some weights as well, um, also just being like really mindful of what, what was happening. I think it was like that next level of engagement in what I was doing every day towards my health and fitness. The, the fat just sort of peeled off me. And what sort of changes did you feel physically and mentally as the fat did start to peel off you? You know what, more confidence, uh, obviously could start to fit into clothes that I'd always gone, oh, it'd be nice to wear that, but kind of not really confident enough to wear that. Um, you know, just started to look and feel good, energised every day rather than, you know, feeling tired in the afternoon or whatever. And I think that just made me want more, more, more. And I probably got to the point where I was quite 
obsessive over my health and fitness but I think everyone kind of goes there for a period of time and then you kind of reel it back a bit and reclaim a little bit of balance which is is cool because I think it allows you to see how good you can feel with being like pretty much on it all the time which I, I was for a period of time so I think that is a good thing I don't I wouldn't shy away from people getting you know quite obsessive for a period of time and the reality is one of the reasons I lost so much weight so quickly is because I came I went all in basically you know I was training for like two hours a day I was eating great food every day and I lost five and a half stone in six months so proof's in the pudding. Did you struggle to do that? Because a lot of people, when they try to lose weight, they'll kind of, they'll try it for a couple of weeks and they might go hard for a week or two, but then they fall off the wagon. Typically it'll be one missed gym session or one blowout at a birthday or something, and then they'll slip off. So it's quite rare to go from a pretty unhealthy lifestyle from what you've said anyway, to completely, absolutely nailing it. Was that hard for you to do? Did you, did you find that you kept slipping off or was it literally just something flicked and then you, you were gone? No, it was actually very easy. And the reason why that was is because I had an environment that was completely conductive to me being able to do what I want and needed for my health. So a lot of people, let's just use the term slip up for now, because it's a term that you used. People sort of slip off and go off the rails with their nutrition, usually because of external influences. So friends, social environment, going out for dinners, habits that you have at home with your partner, kids you know maybe you know you're in the habit of you know having ice cream after dinner and like you add up all of these little things and it adds up into someone not being very successful with their nutrition so setting the scene I was 18 19 I really um I was really really inspired by where I wanted to get to I knew my goal I had a vision for it I um lived at home but not around my parents I didn't really have any friends at the time because I've been to boarding school all my life. And that meant that when you leave boarding school, like everyone lives like all over the okay. UK internationally. So I didn't have this like local group of friends. If I did, I probably would have been getting up to a load more mischief, you know, going out <laughs> the weekend, getting shit faced more, all that kind of stuff. So if you um, want to lose weight, be a loner. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the reality. Like I got up every day. Um, I, I went to work. I then went to the gym. And then in the evening, um, I was quite often working a second job because I was saving up to go traveling. I'd always wanted to go traveling. So I was a van driver by day, barman by night, saving up to go traveling. And it was then when I went traveling, um, I kind of had this epiphany of like, I think I might want to be a personal trainer. Like I was okay. gravitating away from the career that I thought I wanted to do. So I I think that's a really powerful thing, environment. You know, I can imagine loads of the people listening to this you know, love a good pint of the weekend, love going out for food. Like, I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad, but you have to have a way to manage that kind of stuff. Otherwise, it's going to keep creeping up on you because it's very easy to go out the weekend, have a couple of pints, have a three course dinner and quickly have, you know, an extra two and a half thousand calories in the bag from a big indulgence. Yeah. And well, that is going to cause you to not lose weight. That's a lot of calories. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, it was pretty easy for me because of my environment of course so there's so many things we could go off at different angles than that but you mentioned calories then so do you think that everybody should or more my audience do you think my audience mountain bikers who want to get fitter faster stronger on the bike many of which will probably want to lose weight but definitely not all and um, do you think that they should be calorie counting every day and every meal yes and no it always depends on the type of results that you want 
If you want more from your body, if you expect more from your body, then you need to be tracking more data so you know what to manipulate to get a better result. Yeah. There's probably loads of things that your audience can already do to feel better and get better results without counting calories. For me and my clients, there's all, or I always ask them for a period of time to count calories, and I want them to do that to learn. You know, if you're going to go out the weekend and have a couple of pints, why don't we learn what that means calorically? If you're going to have three pints, know that that's around 600 calories. Yeah. So what we can do now is we can then sort of in our head go, okay, cool. Well, what would I change with my training and nutrition if I'm going to go out and have six pints? So for me, I play rugby big social environment around rugby i can imagine with the mountain biking community you know people go out and ride together they go down a pub they have a bit of a good time awesome so for me i know that on a saturday night i'm going to go out and have a couple of beers with the boys yeah uh, probably go out for dinner with my wife or family afterwards or whatever so in the morning i kind of have like a light breakfast um like little snacky thing and then like late morning i'll have a decent very dense breakfast i'll play the game i'll just have a light shake and maybe like a banana after the game and then i'll have a couple of pints and then i'll have a big dinner so i already know that i'm going to go out for dinner have a lot of calories have a couple of pints so i manipulate my nutrition and training to mitigate the we'll call it damage from yeah. that big meal on those couple of pints so it's about having that information at your disposal so you can change what you're going to do to keep getting a result i still want to go out and have fun still want to have a couple of pints but I want to wake up on Sunday going, yeah, mate, I'm on track. Boom. So how often is right for people to go out and have a blowout? And I know that's such a, you can't, it's hard to answer that question sort of with a set number. But for you, it sounds like you're probably strict through the week. And then on rugby day, that's when you'll have a bit of a blowout. You'll have a couple of pints. You'll have the meal and not really have to worry about it. Um, is that just once a week for you? Like, do you do that two or three times a week? And for people following, should they limit it to one cheat meal a week? Or what, what are your views around that? Yeah, so for me, I'm not blowing anything out and I'm not cheating on my nutrition. For me, okay. it's just a sensible amount of flexibility in my diet so that I can enjoy myself. You heard me say that I know what I'm going out to eat. So I'm mm -hmm. going to go out and have a big meal. I'm going to have a couple of pints. For me, that's not a blowout. I haven't yeah. turned up at 6 p.m. on a Saturday evening and gone, oh, fuck it, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm still yeah. mindful of what I'm going to eat. So for me, I'm not blowing anything out. I'm not cheating on anything. Um, I care about my body. So I don't really like the terminology of cheating on it. Yeah. I have a very healthy relationship with my body and I want to do the right thing by it most of the time because it's the only body that I've got. I want to live till 100. I want to be mountain biking and playing rugby and doing sport for as long as humanly possible. So I do want to take care of it. So during the week, um, I'll have, you know, beer during the week. But it's something that just kind of happens. And mm -hmm. I just sort of plan for it. So tonight I'm going out. It's date night on a Wednesday with my wife. Uh, we're going out to the cinema. We'll grab some food. I'll probably have one beer. So, you know, for me, I'm just wrapping that up in the rest of the balance of my daily training and nutrition yeah. so it, it's, it's all considered nothing's like oh yeah fuck it let's have a couple of pints i'm always thinking yeah i'm gonna have a couple of pints but let me think about that in my whole day's nutrition maybe my yeah. week's nutrition because i care and want the best of my body 
we have a very similar view of nutrition there. So I went through a phase similar to you where I was mega straight. It's probably for the first like two or three years. Um, to start off with, I wanted to get as lean as possible. So I used to absolutely nail my food and I would call it a cheat meal and just have one cheat meal a week. But the rest of the time, I was perfect. Then I went through a phase where I was bulking and really trying to build as much muscle as I could. And that was mega straight. Like every meal was weighed. And now it sounds like I'm probably a bit more like you where... I don't, if I, if I have a bad meal, bad meal, see, sell the phrasing. <laughs> if I have like a meal on a Saturday, if I have a pizza or something like that, that just feels like part of the plan. And I'll try and do right. I'll do a big ride before it and then have a pizza that night or flip it where it's like, right, I'm going on a big ride on Monday. So Sunday night, it'd be a good time to have pizza because then I know that in the morning, it's going to help me fuel for my ride and it all fits in. I think one thing most people and definitely my audience will do is that they'll try and eat really 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 clean and then as soon as they do eat something that isn't clean that's when it'll all go downhill and then rather than just having a couple of pints and then carry on eating like really healthy food the day after they'll slip up then and then they'll completely go off plan and that's it i'm having pizza and things like that and i think it's good for people to hear that you're not trying to not have things it's you want to eat healthy because you know how amazing it makes you feel and how well you can perform and you can do everything around your business and your life and playing rugby and everything it's it's a lifestyle isn't it mm. it's all we've got to consider terminology here it's a really really important thing so you use the phrase of like off and on and good or bad yeah the problem with that language is it it means that you have to constantly make a decision on whether you're good doing good by your body or bad by your body and that leaves you even more susceptible to environmental stimuluses. So if you say, I'm going to have a bad meal, mm-hmm. and you have a bad meal, quote, on Saturday night, and you wake up on Sunday, and maybe as a result of that bad meal, bit of a crap night's sleep, feeling a bit tired, etc., you wake up, and because you're already in this kind of like slightly bad mindset, this kind of cheating mindset, you wake up on a Sunday and you're a bit tired, can't really be asked to make a decision, don't really feel great. And then maybe one of your mates or someone else says, oh, do you want to go out for breakfast? Or should we go and cook some waffles or, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, fuck it. And then because you've said, yeah, fuck it on Sunday morning, what's the chances at Sunday lunchtime you'll go, yeah, fuck it. And at Sunday dinner time you'll go, yeah, fuck it. And then you wake up on Monday and you're like, okay, okay, the weekend's over. Now I need to make a decision whether I'm being good or bad again. And I just think it's a really dangerous mindset because it constantly leaves you susceptible to making decisions in the moment, whether you're going to do good by your nutrition or not. And that makes you more susceptible to other people and more susceptible to your mood. If you leave it too late and you're hangry, you know, you're really hungry, the chances are you'll make a crap decision because your body is asking for something sugary, fatty, salty, you know, really tasty. And quite often that comes in the form of, you know, processed food. Yeah. So if you want to look good, if you want to feel good, you've got to plan for it. So how far is that? I, I totally agree with you there. And that's really interesting how keen you are on the words. I found myself, normally I'll just talk, but I found myself catching words like bad and stuff like that coming out of my mouth. So I can tell that you're really keen with that. How far in advance do you personally plan then how for how far in advance should people plan so should they wake up on sunday morning and go right what shall i have for breakfast or do you have that planned out a day or two in advance or is it just like a weekly structure where you know pretty much what you're going to be eating and when you're going to be eating it for me for those people listening you might find it interesting i tend to have three or four meals in the fridge that have been cooked a couple of days in advance and then when i'm in a work day and i'm like right i've got 20 minutes to have some food i just grab it out shove it in the microwave and eat it um what do you know 
well in advance what you're going to eat or because it sounds like in your opinion and i would agree that planning is really really important when it comes to sticking to a healthy lifestyle sure um i pretty much do very similar to you but a lot of that is because i work from home so mm-hmm. i can just walk downstairs and you know eat whatever like you yeah. kind of just described so i'll generally go shopping once a week buy all the food that i feel that i need for that week and then sort of plan a little bit with the wife, you know, dinners we're going to have together, stuff we're going to share and stuff. And then the rest of the time, I'll quite often eat um, within the moment or quite often I'll just bulk cook like three, four meals and I'll just eat them in a row because I'm just not that bothered. So there is a, a weekly plan, but I allow some flexibility with what I feel like having during the day. But it yeah. doesn't mean I'm ever eating shit food because I go to the supermarket and I buy good food and I plan nice tasty healthy stuff so then that brings into question you know the people listening's sort of cooking and sort of chefing ability like if you don't like to eat healthy food i would argue that you're not a very good cook at cooking healthy food like yeah. i know loads of amazing simple healthy food so i'm more than happy to eat great food all the times it tastes good yeah so we do have to consider that cooking skills might be a shortfall so maybe some people listening need to invest a little bit more time maybe on a weekend to learn a few more recipes like you know that kind of stuff but again it comes down to planning like on the side of my fridge downstairs me and the missus have a massive list of all the meals that we both love okay when we're planning our weekly shop we're like okay we're having dinner together three times this week what do we fancy and we go oh yeah let's have that that and that and then i can go i'll tell you what that dish is really easy to bulk cook so i'll get like five times that dish and i'll have another five like throughout the week and then that way just having that kind of data and information on board allows me to go right i'm going to the supermarket i need bang 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 i'll get a bit of this fancy a bit of that awesome yeah that makes sense and for people listening i think they'll find it interesting are you actually getting excited about what you're having as well it's not like oh right we've got to have a chicken salad on wednesday night it's oh yeah that's a great meal let's have that one and let's have that i love the idea of having the sticker against the against your fridge of loads of good healthy meals because that's a great way and you could do that for those listening who have kids you can do that as part of the family as well mm. so i'm sure there's some meals that the whole family likes because one issue that i think some people have is that the kids like one thing the partner likes one thing and they like another thing whereas if you can sit down and brainstorm a load of healthy meals that everybody likes that makes it a lot easier and um, the biggest thing i think to come out of that last five minutes and it's something that i ramble on about all the time is just preparation and knowing what you're going to do in advance because if you've planned your weekly shop you're not just going walking around thinking what shall i have it's like right get this get this get this get this you've got everything in you know what you're eating and when you're eating you've got some probably healthy meals already in the fridge ready to go so that whole preparation around your diet just makes it a hell of a lot easier mm. yeah 100 percent cool like it so mountain biking um what obviously a lot of riders will go out for between 90 minutes up to six seven hours depending on the day sometimes it'll be a wednesday night and you'll just get your kit on shoot out and do a quick 90 minutes a quick two hours um other times it'll be a sunday where it's like a full-on six or seven hour ride and you go in doing some big ride in the lake something like that what should mountain bikers in general eat before during and after a ride Well, I'm sure you spoke about this with far more credibility than I have in the past on your podcast. But I think the first consideration is just knowing the energy expenditure of the ride. I think that's an important consideration. If we don't consider that, 
the biggest problem we'll have is inferior recovery. So if you go out for a two hour ride and burn, you know, let's just say eight, nine hundred, a thousand calories, we kind of need to eat those calories back in essence so that we don't get up tomorrow tired, sore, that kind of stuff that then affects our mood, our work environment, you know, all of that stuff. So that's an important thing. Um, in terms of eating beforehand, I think everyone needs to experiment, um, you know, getting a good balance, like something like um, a big porridge bowl with maybe like a little bit of extra protein added, banana on top, you know, a few nuts and seeds, like a real wholesome, you know, slow digesting meal. Um, yeah. You know, you could make a big homemade sandwich, have it with a bit of fruit, a couple of nuts, you know, just real good mix of protein, carbs, fats, like nothing fancy, just good, wholesome food. And then yeah. when we get in from the ride, probably something pretty similar. You've burned a lot of energy. Uh, your legs are going to be pretty depleted of glycogen. So you're going to want, you know, good, good carbohydrate bolus in there. Again, you could get in, have like a big jacket potato with, you know, tuna fish on top, big salad, something like that, spaghetti bolognese, chili con carne, fajitas, like all of these classic meals. They're yeah. just absolutely perfect. What we take on board on the ride is probably going to be determined on how long we're out. How, okay. how much we're stop starting so anyone that's training for probably you know 80 90 minutes plus you're probably going to want a carbon electrolyte formula you know nice sort of 30 40 grams of carbohydrates in there per hour sipping that as you cycle if you're going out on a sunday you know you've got six hours probably going to want to stop for half an hour at some point you know put on take on board like a snack bar maybe a little bit of biltong maybe a bit of trail mix you know energy dense but not very volume dense so it's you know, yeah. easy to digest and then continue on with an electrolyte and carb formula and then you know just getting a really good meal in on sunday evening you know classic sunday roast that kind of food like cooking something really nice and wholesome and that that's probably how i would kind of look at the nutrition really for me it would be that simple it's so simple so similar to the kind of things that i say on here so i've got a nutrition guide that i sell to all my followers and it's it's very very similar to that like i think the one thing that should jump out for people listening is how simple it can be like i think people really overcomplicate nutrition and think it needs to be something really fancy and it's just like yeah just have a sandwich because you're getting your carbs your protein you're getting some good fats in there before you ride eat every 30 40 50 minutes while you're out and then have a good meal afterwards I'm like that's it job done simple it doesn't yeah. need to be really really overcomplicated. no not at all so where do you stand on sugar like you mentioned obviously having an electrolyte and carb based um drink while you're out riding and i know obviously awesome supplements sell one i like how you didn't plug that by the way i'll plug it for you <laughs> that's a true guess that is <laughs> so um where do you stand on taking carbs in and in, in regards to like um fast digesting carbs like sugar for rides should they be limited to short rides or can you have them on 10 hour rides is it down to the individual uh any ride over kind of 60 70 80 minutes i would probably be supplementing with carbs for me uh long duration mountain biking is no different to like playing football or playing rugby it's stop start yeah. you know real high intense then some low periods it's the same stuff yeah ultimately if you want optimal performance you need to kind of keep sort of drip feeding the muscle with glucose to allow it to perform at its best um, I would argue that if you're going out for a long ride and you don't do that, you are going to burn out quicker. It's as simple as that. 
Yeah, for sure. Do you think that fast digesting carbs like sugar, for example, in a drink are as good as slower digesting carbs, say a flapjack, for example? Should you have a mix? Um, what are your views around that? Yeah. So if you're going for a long ride, I would have both. So let's yeah. let's just hypothetically say you're going out for a ride at 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You might have a really good breakfast at like eight, half eight, you know, big porridge bowl, like something like that. And then, you know, about, let's say, two o'clock. You stop, you have a flapjack, maybe a bit of biltong. I'd probably get some kind of half-decent protein in there. Otherwise, it's a long time without any protein in your body. During those that first three hours and that second three hours between the snack, I'd be having like a good 50, 60 grams of carbs and like a, a litre of fluids, and you're drinking that as you go. And then when you finish, it might be that you like maybe have a quick shake at the end, depending on how long you're going to leave it before you're going to eat. If you're going to finish a ride and kind of eat, you know, quite quickly, then I wouldn't worry about it. But if you're not going to eat for an hour or two, that's probably when the role of a protein shake could be quite handy to just sort of tie you over, allow your muscles to start getting some recovery and um, getting some amino acids in the system. So, yeah, I definitely use use both. Yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned protein shakes there. It's kind of like an optional. If you're going to leave it an hour or two when you finish your ride before you eat, it's beneficial to have one of those because obviously it'll help refuel you, help re- help start to help the recovery process. But you don't say it's absolutely necessary. So if a rider finishes at home and the dinner's going to be on the table within half an hour, in that situation, you'd probably say, don't bother with the shake. No, I wouldn't because you're going to get some protein at that meal. Also, what it does is it allows us to keep making good decisions around nutrition. So it's very, especially in kind of a recreational sport, it's probably quite classic to finish a ride at five o'clock. Then let's say you get down to pub with your mates, takes a while to get your kit off and all that kind of shit. And by the time you sit down, you're absolutely starving. And when you're absolutely starving, what's the chance that you make worse decisions around your food? Yeah. You maybe have an extra pint because, you you know, uh, alcohol props up your blood sugar level really quickly. So having something like a shake after training can actually just tie you over enough that you make better decisions about your nutrition. Because yeah. the reality is I might finish a ride, have a shake. Let's say the shake's only 150 calories, but that ties me over enough that I have a proper meal and then maybe don't order a pudding. Yeah. So now I've only taken on board an extra 150 calories, but saved myself 600 calories by not having a pudding. Yeah. Because I mismanaged the timing of my nutrition. Yeah. And I think one big mistake that compounds that even more is when people, when riders don't eat while they ride. So they go out for three hours, have a big breakfast, they get through the ride okay, maybe start to flag towards the end, but then by the end they are absolutely starving. And if you're not going to have a protein shake straight away as well, you're absolutely ravenous when you get home and that's when it's right, I'm going to raid the fridge, I'm going to have a loaf of bread, three bowls of cereal and eat 2,000 calories in one sitting because you're just starving. So I think what Ben said there is that for those listening, you need to make sure that you're eating whilst you ride. If it's over 90 minutes, like Ben said, you can just have some sugar whilst you're riding or some carbs, I should say, whilst you're riding on those shorter rides. But on the bigger ones, make sure you're eating regularly. And then as soon as you finish, make sure that you have something straight away as well, because then you don't get ravenous and you're not trying to eat absolutely everything. One um, potential stumbling block that I can see with that for people is if people go out riding for three hours, then they go to the pub for an hour and a half afterwards. 
it isn't necessarily practical to have a protein shake straight away or a meal because you've got a small bag that you've been taking. I think one solution that you could have for that is just having a little sachet of protein shake and mix it in a pint of water at the pub, uh, if you're willing to take the abuse from your mates. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what are, what are some some ideas that pop into your head for that situation? So you can't really carry a meal with you and you're going to be in the pub for 90 minutes after a big ride, but you need to eat something. Sure. Uh, so you've got the option of protein bar. You've got like little biltong packs. You could maybe have a shaker that's got a little compartment underneath the kind of main compartment. So you just kind of like tip it in. Um, like you say, you've got the sachet option. Um, I probably wouldn't be the guy that would take it in the pub and, you know, all of that shit. You could quickly just go to the toilet, rinse your shaker out, quickly neck, you know, the protein in the toilet sort of thing, which is what I do kind of at rugby quite often because none of my fucking rugby players you know take on board anything after a game but I'll literally have a shake straight after the game because yeah. I haven't I haven't eaten for ages and I just want to uh, maximize my recovery so I'll, I'll go and do something like that so you know there is a solution there it's you know it's, it's definitely manageable yeah it's a matter of finding the solution rather than focusing on the issue of going to the pub yeah yeah, for sure. So what supplements, obviously you have a supplement business, awesome supplements. It probably work well here if you tell us why you started that. Obviously, there's hundreds of supplement companies out there. Why did you feel that you wanted to introduce another one to the market? What do you think? That, what did you think that you could add? Sure. Uh, so at the time, this was back in 2016, I was working with a supplement company and, and I, I was just sort of like fed up with battling the industry. Like, there were so many people trying to sell stuff that didn't work and, you know, there's a lot of confusion and through essentially sort of falling out with the supplement company I was working with, I was then trying to find another supplement company to work with because uh, with my position in the industry is something that I'm always asked about. So it made sense to be aligned as a performance nutritionist with the supplement company. And I was just like unhappy that all the brands out there were doing the same thing, selling the same kind of shit that didn't work, same over promises. Um, so in my naivety, I was like, oh, how hard can it be? Shall we have a go? Um, and I had a vision for just a real simple supplement line, like a handful of products that work, nothing that didn't. And also that just focused on quality and taste, you know, not not enough pr products taste good on the market. And it's mm -hmm. like, how hard can it be to make a protein shake taste nice? Like it's not a big ask. So, uh, yeah, 2016, we launched Awesome Supplements. Um, we're still around. We're still going strong. Um, we now have a big focus on being, being quite plant-based. So our plant-based supplements are our, our number one selling products. Our vegan protein is our number one selling products. Um, we just try and help our customers know what to do. So, for example, on our website, we've got uh, like 21 different sport guides so that people yeah. can go, oh, okay, I play this sport or I go to the gym. You know, what, what, what might I need? How do I navigate this? So uh, education for me is really important because education allows you to make an informed decision and not just be sold something because someone said so. Yeah. The cycling guide is really good. I was reading it this morning when I was doing a bit of research for the podcast. So head out, I think, is it awesomesupplements.co.uk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right go to the website download the free guide and the cycling guide i think it's 10 pages long it's probably half of it talks about nutrition in regards to real food that kind of thing and then the other half talks about supplements so it was it was a good read and it's not trying to just say right here you need to take this supplement in the morning and this one at this time and this at this like it is a very mm. 
broad approach to it is the right term like uh it's not just saying buy my supplements like it is worth downloading free at the end of the day so make sure you go get that um one thing that stood out to me in there which was which i thought was interesting and i don't think my audience will consider it a lot you were talking about eating right well there's a couple of things actually um you talked about eating right for performance for energy for all that things which are typical when it comes to mountain biking and any sport you mentioned about cyclists considering to eat considering eating 30 35 percent of the calories from fat because of the benefits to your joints for that and so like decreasing inflammation and decreasing joint pain and that kind of thing now that sounds interesting can you talk a little bit more about that yeah i think sometimes in sport the focus can be very heavily on carbohydrate intake and while that's great don't think enough people focus on fat but overall fat quality um, you know, if we looked at the research data, there's, a, there's not enough monounsaturated and omega-3 fats being taken on board. So I quite often speak quite a bit about, you know, are you getting quite a bit of nuts, seeds, uh, avocado, olive oils, olives um, and fish, flaxseed, walnuts on board? Because it is really important. A lot of us do get our fat intake from uh, plant oils and, you know, more animal based fats. When we get our fat right, it is really good and helpful towards the heart, towards the joints, uh, towards our hormonal system. So, yeah, um, I don't want that kind of like focus with carbs to kind of not allow fat to have the same kind of focus. So that's probably my key point. It's like while you consider performance and carbs, like don't forget this guy over here. Like he's really important as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. So whenever I talk about eating carbs, basically everything that we just spoke about in regards to what makes up a good diet and what's good for the vast majority of mountain bikers to eat on the rides, I'll almost always get some kind of message or email talking about keto, saying you should go keto with your diet. And now I'm definitely not averse to keto. I think my opinion is that for the vast majority of people, a diet that includes carbs, protein and fat is just a hell of a lot easier to stick to. Like if you're stuck in an airport and then you fly into America and then you You've got three hour transfer when you get there. It can be really difficult to do a purely keto diet. Um, most of my audience, I'm thinking about keeping it very easy to stick to, as simple as possible. But whenever somebody does message me about keto, they tend to be incredibly passionate about it. And it'll be, you can tell that they really, really, really believe in it. And obviously, it works for them. What are your views around keto and specifically for cyclists? So I'm just going to pick up on that kind of topic of people sort of being really passionate about something and quite often that is the case because it, it has stimulated a life-changing journey for them so if someone okay. eats yeah. quite a poor diet and they went keto and now they feel absolutely great and have shed a couple of stones they're quite rightly going to be flying the flag for keto because it's literally changed their life yeah. doesn't mean that a different diet couldn't have done that it's just mm -hmm. keto happened to be there at the right time, really sell the dream. Perhaps that person absolutely loved red meat and keto was like, you can eat loads of red meat. And they were like, <laughs> okay, that's my kind of diet. So we have to understand where that person comes from because I was a real big paleo fan when I was younger. But yeah. it's because it changed my life. But it, it just happened to be the diet that really spoke to me and sounded right. And I, I was all for it. And it wasn't until I learned later on why paleo worked and the, the kind of foundations that it worked on 
was what worked and not kind of the, you know the the overriding terminology um so before term- you carry on let me interrupt you for those people listening who don't know what keto is i know some of you will some of you won't so keto a ketogenic diet is essentially a really high fat diet medium high protein but really low carbs so you'll have pretty much no carbs in your diet but yeah carry on ben. so coming back to kind of mountain mountain bike cycling and actually its application a ketogenic diet can be beneficial in people doing uh, low intensity long duration cardiovascular so if you're going to go out on a long cycle ride and you're going to sit at like you know 60 65 70 percent your heart rate and not really go any higher no sprint events nothing like that then actually optimizing being in a fat burning state could be optimal because you have more stored body fat than you have more stored uh, glycogen so that's where the benefit comes from. So real like you know, ultra runners, like people like that, it can be something that can help. But everyone else, we need good carbohydrate stores. You know, a mountain biker's like sprinting, then we're going up a hill, then we've got a down bit where we're kind of resting and stuff. That's explosive. That's repetitive mm-hmm. explosive exercise, which directly puts stress on our glycogen stores. So keto would be wholly inefficient for a mountain biker, in my opinion. Okay, so in your opinion, the only type of mountain biker that it could work for would be real long distance cross country riders. So if you're doing, you know, 12, 16, 24 hour rides, that kind of thing, multi day events where you, uh, I can't remember the race. There's a race where you go across America, forget the name of it, and the Tour Divide, and that's like two and a half thousand miles, something like that. So for that type of person, it could be beneficial because they're never sprinting and they're just staying at a steady pace. But for the rest of us, stay away from it yeah okay i like it good advice um the other thing that you said about in the uh your cycling guide on your website was something that i don't think a lot of people consider when it comes to healthy eating but it kind of met and i don't talk about it that often but it's so true um was why you need to consider eating healthy so you don't get ill so much so mountain biking cycling especially if you're doing it regular is a high stress activity like you're massively stressing your body and if you don't eat enough to replenish your glycogen stores and to help you recover from all that effort chances are that you'll end up getting ill quite often talk a little a bit more about that because that was something that i don't talk about often so yeah um well i personally don't like getting ill don't know about you um you know (laughs) yeah it holds you back means you can't do what you want to do you're a miserable bastard you know it's just not good so there's a massive link between the food that we eat and our health there's a massive link between our immune system and our gut And we know in the research that the more diverse and more nutrient dense a diet you can eat, it's just got exponential benefits to your immune system and your gut. So I'll give you a simple um, little example from a new bit of research that's been done. They basically took two group of people and one of them had a plain non prebiotic yogurt and the other people had a uh, enriched live prebiotic yogurt. And they followed that for a period of 12 weeks. And over the period of 12 weeks, um, hardly any of the participants in the live yoga got ill. Um, but importantly, they had a 32% reduction in feelings of depression. Wow. Now, that might not be directly in people's heads related to what we're quite talking about. But what I'm highlighting is something as simple as a live food with more nutrition in it. Has having an effect on the gut, which then has an effect on the brain, 
which then intermediary has an effect on the immune system. So it's so, so important to eat lots of different fruits and vegetables, get lots of different types of prebiotic fiber, which come from fruits and vegetables. And they generally say that if you can get 30 to 40 different types of food in your diet every week, you're standing a really good chance of having a really healthy body. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people eat the same thing for breakfast, you know, cycle through two to three different lunches at work. And then the evening meal is, you know, quite often a bit more adventurous. But that's not leading to a really diverse, healthy gut bacteria. And that's what's going to make you really healthy. So where do supplements slot into that then so for people who would love to eat 30 40 different variations of food through the week but they're simply not going to for whatever reason can they help that with supplementing with like a multivitamin and omega-3 or does it need to come from food and should they just suck it up and make sure that you're getting enough of those the the wide variation of food then yeah um i have the approach that i generally do both and i do both because i'm a very high exerciser so i put a lot of exercise stress on my body so mm -hmm. i have a very diverse very nutrient dense diet but i also supplement with um we have a product called awesome daily dose and it's basically an advanced multivitamin very high dose multivitamin because for me i kind of have the opinion i'm going to take a shotgun approach i'm going to fire as much good shit into my body and we're also going to be a bit more intelligent with that and look at where the research generally points to people having nutrient deficiencies. So we know that people generally don't get enough magnesium, vitamin D and omega-3 fish oil. So they should probably be a big focus with a supplement. Um, and then I supplement with a fish oil on top of that. So for me, it's for as someone that's really keen on their health. It's a both approach. For a lot of your listeners, it might be like, yeah, my diet's not great. I should probably take something to kind of help that out. Uh-huh. Would you say that it can be used as kind of like a safety net where if you do miss a certain nutrient in your diet that week, at least you're getting it from your supplement? Or is that not yeah, definitely. beneficial? Yeah, but the thing is, that's the reality for a lot of people. We can all stand here for as sure. a nutritionist and go, this is the ideal. But if the reality is it's not happening, then take something that helps fill the gap. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you can just grab it in the morning and have it with your breakfast and it's job done. At least you know that you've got the, the bare minimum in there. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. So next week, in fact, it's not next week, it's in two days. I'm doing a 24 hour bike ride for charity. So never done anything this kind of distance. We've done six, seven, eight hour rides, something like that. But this is going way beyond. So we're doing 24 hours just looping my local reservoir. We've touched on it already with nutrition in regards to eating regularly. Would you just extend that? the advice that you gave for four to six hour rides over the 24 hours or is there anything that you do different because it's such an like such a length of time I'm in bed for 10 o'clock most nights <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I would kind of extend things um I think you're gonna most people make a concrete plan for a race that big and I think it's good mm -hmm. to have like a flexible plan so okay. you might say, for example, right, I'm going to burn, let's just say you're going to burn 10,000 calories in those 24 yeah. hours. And I'm going to take on board those calories with X foods. Well, what happens if halfway through the race, like you're almost like fed up of those foods or, you know, you're feeling a little bit queasy or you want something more sugary. It's almost like you want to have a couple of options. So I'm going to pack 20,000 calories 
so that I can almost choose the calories that I want as I go because I don't yeah. know how my body's going to react is something that I've never done before. So it might be that you have like protein bars, flapjacks, trail mix. You blend up like a big like protein uh, smoothie that's got like oats in it and nuts in it and just fucking loads of calories basically. Um, so that you can you can kind of adapt to the situation and of course have an electrolyte and carbohydrate mix going you know a lot of the time and i'd also save a lot of your caffeine for later on in the event i wouldn't take any caffeine at the beginning oh, okay I'd, I'd take advantage of the fact that you're gonna have plenty of adrenaline running through your system you're gonna be excited and then i'd get like eight you know 12 hours into the event and i'd then start scaling caffeine into the body so it might be like six to eight hours you have 150 milligrams then four hours later, you have 200 milligrams and then the dose keeps going up to help battle the fatigue. Okay. In big competitions, a lot of people throw all of the tools in the book early doors yeah. and that adds to burning out. So, um, for example, very rarely I do uh, kind of like CrossFit competitions, you know, where you're like doing it all day off and on. And I don't take any caffeine till like late on in the day. Okay. And I feel great all day. But I use all my tricks in the back end of the day when my body's already fighting it a bit. Because yeah. the theory is, hormonally, you should be able to drive your body to a high level of performance because that's what the um, you know, that's what cortisol and adrenaline do. Um, but people kind of always lean on caffeine and just like, right, we're going, we've got a competition, have as much as possible, and it will probably add to the burnout effect later on. Okay, that makes sense. So we're starting at 10 a.m. So by the time we get to 10, 11 o'clock, if we've already had a couple of coffees by then, that's going to increase the the burnout and the dip in the energy at that time. That's a good start. Yeah, uh, it's not really increasing the burnout. It's your body's going to, whatever happens, you're going to get to 8, 12, 14 hours. You're going to be fucked. Mm -hmm. Why not use that one of the key things to bring on board later on? And presumably the effect will be bigger if you've not had it through the day because you've not had it and then you're having it. Okay. I get it. I like it. I will do that. That's a top tip. <laughs> so finally, you touched on electrolytes as well, and I've not talked to you about the reasons. So I think electrolytes are key when you're riding for an hour, 90 minutes or longer. Less than that, you could probably get away without having it. You maybe agree. Um why are electrolytes so important and why can you not just drink water for six or seven hours? Why do you need to take electrolytes on too? Key thing is, is sweat. You're sweating a lot, especially if it's hot. Some people are obviously sweatier than others. As mm -hmm. soon as we sweat a lot, we deplete the salts and that leaves us susceptible to cramps. That leaves us susceptible to not having the right kind of uh, salts available to properly contract muscle tissue. So generally, if you dilute your salts too much, you'll get a decline in performance and you'll increase your risk of cramping. You'll also increase the likelihood that your body struggles to become hydrated. So when companies like Lucozade make the claim of, you know, prolonged endurance and enhanced hydration, like they're not lying. These are all facts. They do help with performance. So, uh, yeah, I'd, you know, when I train, I always have electrolytes or electrolytes and carbs, depending on the duration. Is it likely that the average rider can overdose on them by taking too many of these or do you have to have so many that that's just not going to happen? You are only really going to have that happen if you incorrectly dose it yourself. So if you buy a yeah. product, you know, 
you know for example we sell a product and if if you don't put one scoop in 500 mils of water you put two in that's then going to lead to an imbalance Mm -hmm. so it is the responsibility of the rider to read the instructions and as long as you take the right amount of fluid with the right amount of salt you should be fine over the right amount of time as well presumably if you had five liters of water within one hour that's just complete overkill uh yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't do that um the right amount i think it's about what 700 milliliters a liter per hour would you agree yeah it's, um, that's pretty sensible advice yeah especially if you live in a hot country like there'll be quite a few listeners in america or in australia where it gets a bit hotter than it does here in sunny england <laughs> so especially if you are sweating even more that's a uh, um keep hydrated whilst you're riding 100 so i uh, i always like to end the podcast with just leaving it completely over to you so there's no guidance there's um there's no focus question i always like you to end however you'd like to end it so what's something that you'd like to tell all my mountain bike followers to finish so the podcast mountain biking is from what i hear a fairly recreational sport people do it because they love it being outside all that kind of stuff and that is awesome um, but remember nutrition, sleep and your kind of movement practices all support that. So if you're a rider and you're sitting there thinking, OK, I've, I've listened to Ben speak today. I'd actually like a bit more out of my body. I'd like to maybe be a bit leaner. I'd like to be you know, a bit more energized. I'd like my rides to be longer and full of beans. The reality is you're going to have to start implementing some of the stuff that we've talked about today. You can't keep kind of guesswork in it. So, you know, the books that you're selling to give people a blueprint, like these are all like pretty essential things that the rider wants to be taken on board. So if you want more out of your body, you need to start paying attention to more variables, tracking that data and manipulating your plan based on the data. Um, And that's why I am very concerned over my health and fitness every day because I want to feel great and I want to perform great. And it's as simple as that. And I think a very good thing to add to that, which you've said already, but I think it's always nice ending on it, is if you want to start today, just start tracking what you're eating every day. So you can download MyFitnessPal, for example, and just write down everything that you eat on a daily basis. Because when you do that, then everything Ben's just said becomes a lot easier because you actually know your starting point and then you can start to improve. So that's something that everybody listening to this can do with pretty much zero effort, take two minutes a day just start tracking everything that you're eating every day in an app that tells you your calories your protein your carbs your fats and then you'll have an idea of how you can improve from there yeah or you know if people are old school get out a pen and paper write down what you've eaten the key thing is you'll start to see a pattern there's probably a lot of people that don't really see the pattern in their eating um you know we we kind of look at it by quite often a meal by meal basis or a day's basis might be interesting for people to look at everything they eat over the course of a week and actually when you sit down and look at it you kind of go oh actually it's not that great i'm eating like two portions of fruit every day there's probably a lot that i could do here quite easily to feel quite a bit better yeah yeah i like it top tip so for everybody listening i'm sure they'll want to find out more about you and start following you more so where are the various different places that you want to send people to follow ben coomba sure uh, i'm ben coomba all over the internet so whether you like podcasts youtube instagram facebook twitter just type in ben coomba c-o-o-m-b-e-r you'll find me uh, if you want to ask a question reach out um, there's quite a lot of uh, supplement nutrition and training advice on our supplement website, uh, BTN Academy. Uh, if you want to get a bit geeky, 
uh, sorry, awesome supplements. If you want to get a little bit geeky and learn a lot more about nutrition for free, then we have a free nutrition course uh, over on our education company, which is btn.academy. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's there's plenty of cool free stuff that I've put out there. People are listening to this as a podcast right now. Uh, my podcast is over six years old. It's got over 450 episodes. So, you know, there might be a couple of things there that people are interested in. So, uh, yeah. I like it, mate. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, keep smashing it. It's been really good. Thank you. Pleasure to be on and uh, glad uh, glad uh, to be able to chat and hopefully a few people have taken on some pearls that they can go and implement. Yeah, for sure, mate. Thank you very much. See you soon. See you, Matt. Welcome back, podcast. I hope you really, really enjoyed that episode. I know I certainly enjoy talking to Ben. Now, remember, if you are interested in grabbing an MTB Fitness jersey, just head over to the MTB Fitness website and then sign up to the daily emails because then you'll be the first to find out. And don't forget, if you're listening to this within the first sort of five days of it launching, definitely head over to the Facebook page and enter the competition because you could bag yourself a free jersey. Everybody likes a freebie. <laughs> so if you want to follow along with Ben Coomber, all the links will be in the description below to go and find him on various social media. And I hope you really enjoyed it. Speak to you next week for another episode.